0: Currency. Welcome. I'm your host. I'm Mike Gaston. And today is Sunday, August 15th, 2021. This is episode 93. We are quickly approaching the 100 episode mark. We'll have to do something special to commemorate the 100th episode. But today, this is episode 93. I'm thrilled to have you along today. You know, it's kind of a challenge in this world to be a podcaster, I hear you over there, your heart's breaking for me, you're like Mike, the podcasting, the grind. I can't imagine what you carry on your shoulders. My brother, my friend, I look, I appreciate the fact that you guys feel for me. I really do this is uh, this is the lord's work here behind the microphone, but but the fact of the matter is, I spent all week prepping a show. I had a topic, I'd done a ton of writing on it, organizing, I was ready. I was going to get behind this mic and light it up. And then the world happened. Then I watched this week as Afghanistan, within a, within a matter of hours, fell to the Taliban. We're sitting here today as I'm behind the mic talking to you, recording. The Taliban is in Kabul, in the capital, at the palace, doing a press release. They're kind of live streaming. They're, they're not doing a press release in the sense that the press is there asking questions. But they're making their video streamed statement to the world about them taking over Afghanistan. Meanwhile, at the very same time, as I record this, the Biden administration's made no comment whatsoever. The president, our president, who was very bullish on this pullout and assured us that we wouldn't see things like helicopters, airlifting our our uh, embassy people out of there, et cetera, et cetera assured us that this was going to be great that the that the afghani military that we've trained has you know 300,000 trained better equipped better fighters and they've got air force support and now within hours this country has collapsed and has fallen into the hands of the taliban And the Biden administration and Joe Biden himself are just hiding. I think he's back in his basement. Now, I know if you're a listener and you voted for Joe Biden, if you're a listener and you're a liberal, if you're a listener and you're progressive, I get it. I get that you don't want to hear me bashing on this president all the time. But the fact of the matter is I had this show prepped and it's like I can't get behind the mic and ignore the elephant in the room. And it's not just the Taliban. It's not just Joe Biden his policy on Afghanistan and what is clearly a blunder. I mean, blunder is putting it mildly. If you want to look at there, it's online. I mean, there are these, there's this press, you know, uh presser that he did and he, you know, he got grilled, uh, you know, kudos to the media for asking some questions and he was just adamant that this was not going to be a Vietnam. This was not going to be, you know, are people having to be evacuated? This was not going to be a country overrun. You know, poo-poo, poo-poo, you guys and your silliness. Come on, man. And uh, it's been exactly the opposite of what Joe Biden said. The elephant in the room isn't just this. I have to ask the question, you know, when... when and, and I want to... I'm going to ask my audience to try to do something here. You remember when you are a kid and someone say, okay, I want everybody to close your eyes. Now imagine yourself in a forest surrounded by birdsong and butterflies and fragrant air. Now that you're imagining, you know, they try to put you in this circumstance and imagine all this and I'm going to ask you to do something because I'm already wound up and you're going to, I don't want you just to react to me. What I want to ask you to do is try to step back from your own politics. Try to step back from your team. Try to step back from Whatever it is you think. Now, I'm not asking you to be an open book. I'm not asking you to just take whatever I say at face value. I'm not asking you to let me write my book on your brain. I'm not asking that. I'm not asking you to be a blank sheet of paper. I'm asking you not to react and try to just hear what I'm saying. Don't look for subtext. Don't look for manipulation. I'm not trying to manipulate here. I want to ask an honest question. And I want to have an honest discussion about this stuff. Now, I know this is a this isn't, you know, this is a monologue. You can't necessarily talk back to me in the moment. You can clearly yell at your iPhone, your Android, your car radio, whatever you're listening to this over. Feel free. Talk back. And if you want to talk to me, you can contact me. I mean, I've got a I've got a contact form right on my home page. It's MikeGaston.com. By the way, if you go to MikeGaston.com, make sure you sign up for my newsletter. I put a newsletter out on a regular basis. I've been working on some really great content that I'm excited to share with people. If you're interested in getting some of my latest thinking, if you're interested in getting updates, not just like, hey, I put out a blog post, here's a link, but providing unique thinking, insights, and so on. You want to get that in your inbox, fresh, hot, daily, and free it won't be daily, by the way, (laughs) then sign up. It's right on the homepage as well. You can sign up for my newsletter there. Okay. That all aside, I'm asking you to put this stuff to the side and just listen for a moment. And here's, here's, I'm going to set this up. First, the setup is, you know, the previous administration, the Trump administration, from the moment that he took office and really before, but from the moment he took office, we heard nothing except for what a liar Trump was, you know, that he was in the pocket of the Russians, that he was just doing this to pump up his business, that he wanted to be a dictator, that he was going to institute martial law, that he was going to corrupt every element of the American dream, that he was going to destroy the American process, that the Constitution was going to go out the window, that like Trump was just going to ruin everything. And I get that reaction. I mean, Trump's personality is the type. I mean, he his he is the kind that, that generates, he elicits some type of response from people. He just creates a response. And a lot of people fell in love with him, and a lot of people hated his guts. I get that. Like, I don't have a problem with that. I'm not over here saying, man, if you think Trump was bad, you're an idiot. I'm not saying that. Like, I, I had some real, I say this over and over again. It's so funny. I talk to people all the time. Like, I voted for Trump both times. I'm not going to be ashamed of that. I'm not going to hide it. But I had some real issues with Donald Trump, the man and the politician politician and and even so I found it actually relatively easy to vote for him given given the the kind of context that I found myself in and I found our country and in this world and I thought this is the right person for the moment. Don't love a lot about him. You know, I talked to Christians and Christians were wound up, oh Trump's horrible, Trump's horrible These are the same people that love to, I I love reading the Psalms and King David was amazing. And oh, what a man after God's own heart. You know, these are little quotes in the Bible, if you're not familiar, but you look at David's life. He, he, (laughs) he was horrible. I mean, his kids were a wreck. You've got Absalom trying to kill him and take the throne from him. Actually, you know, spins up an army against him. Uh, David should have been out leading his country in war to meet another king for war. Meanwhile, he's back home while his troops are fighting. He's up on the roof and looks down, sees a woman bathing on her rooftop or whatever through a window, I don't remember exactly. Uh, finds out whose husband that is, has that guy put at the front lines, tells his chief of arms, hey, when that guy's in the front line fighting the battle, make sure everybody steps back. So he gets killed. I mean, he has the guy killed. Uh, this is Bathsheba. Then he, he makes her one of his wives, multiple wives. Uh, they have a son called Solomon who became, you know, we get Proverbs and the wisdom of Solomon, great king for Israel. People love Solomon as well. What they don't like to look at or think about is these men who are vaunted as these great godly men were a wreck in many ways. And I don't mean any, I'm not trying to disparage David. What I'm saying is people get so Precious about Donald Trump. Oh, he's disgusting. Okay, fine. You don't want to have you don't want to hug him. You don't want to have dinner with him. But at this, by the same token, they're over there talking about how great uh, some of these Bible characters are. But they, it's almost like they're reading with rose-colored glasses. They just refuse to see. The whole story. And I think when you look at Donald Trump, a lot of people are refusing to see the whole story. Like, yeah, he did some good things, actually. had some good policies. But what I'm trying to talk about is not be an apologist for Trump or browbeat you for being critical of him. Be critical of him. That's what makes our system work. Be critical. That's fine. Here's the problem I have. From the moment Trump got in office till till after he left... We were prosecuting him, we were indicting him, we were impeaching him, we were investigating him, the whole Mueller thing. We were sure that there was Russia, Russia, Russia. I mean, just everything about Donald Trump, it's like if Trump did it, it had to be sat- satanic, Nazistic, evil, fascistic, everything. Like Trump was not capable of a shred of goodness. It all, you just presumed horrible things about him. You know, you've got a world where the where a lot of Muslims. I'm not saying every person that follows Islam, but you have a radicalized world of Muslims. There's a whole world of radicalized Muslims, and he says, "Hey, we're gonna stop. Uh, we're gonna stop immigration from these countries until we until we can figure some things out." Oh my gosh, he's being a racist. He's uh, all these poor Arabs. He's just being anti-Arab. Uh, we're gonna. We're gonna undo the Obama executive order on DACA because the legal way to fix that is to have Congress fix the whole immigration thing. I'm not gonna give a loophole. This thing will never get addressed. So we're gonna, I'm I'm rescinding Obama's DACA uh, position. And then the world just, uh, you know, the country, oh my gosh, Trump's such a racist, he hates Mexican children. (laughs) So no matter what he did was evil. I want to talk for a moment about Joe Biden. And here's my question. I'm saying, you know, I feel like I'm asking you to to not react. and And I'm giving you a lot of juice to react to. So forgive me for that. Here's what I want to get at. The question I have is, at what point do we hold Joe Biden accountable as an, as an administrator, as an executive, as the leader of our country, at what point do we hold him personally and his administration accountable? Whenever you're the leader, no matter what's going on, whether you touched it or not, if you're leading the organization, it's your fault. That's how it works. I've led organizations before. I've owned businesses. I've been on executive boards, et cetera. When something goes wrong, someone has to take responsibility. And it's a really crappy leader that points fingers at the underlings that blames it on other people. Even if the leader says, look, I gotta tell you, like I was not involved with this, but honestly, I'm the president of this organization. I'm the managing director, it's on me. I should have known. I had no idea, I, I wasn't aware, this is on me. I take responsibility. So you don't even have to pretend like, well, yeah, I did it. You don't have to, you don't have to say me a culpa. I'm guilty. But like a great leader takes responsibility. Now, I understand in modern politics, you can never admit anything because, my gosh, if you admit it, your enemies are going to rip you to shreds. We've created that environment for ourselves. But I'm asking the question and I'm asking you to ask the same question. At what point does Joe Biden have to take responsibility for his administration, their decisions and the results of those decisions? The minute that he took office, they, they killed the Keystone pipeline. It, just immediately, by stroke of a pen, I'm, I'm honestly, like the, the ballots were hardly counted. He was hardly sworn in. They destroyed that. They put 10,000 plus people out of work and then created a sense of energy dependence and then turned right around and said to Putin and Russia, America had been stopping A pipeline from Russia into Germany said, "Hey, go ahead, change a policy. Do what you need to do, bro." And so now, hat in hand, months and months later, we're having some issues with fuel supply, and we're having to go to our enemies—people like Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, Putin, and so on. Our supposed enemies, according to the Democrats, my gosh, oh Saudi Arabia, oh my gosh, Uh, Putin, the horrible Russians. They're our enemies, but we're going to them hat in hand saying, can you pump up production? Because golly, we've got a problem. Our, Our supplies are running low and our gas prices are going up. And don't forget, not that long ago, there was a whole supposed Russian hacker incident that shut down the whole Northeast because they were able to capture a pipeline, headquarters and their data system shut down the whole pipeline. The whole Northeast was out of fuel. And the Biden administration's response to that was, well, that's not, a, that's not a government issue. That's a private company issue. They'll sort that out. I mean, my goodness, a whole, a whole quarter of your country unable to do transportation, commerce, get, get from point A to point B in their vehicles, on, you know, on buses, whatever, you're gonna say that's not a government issue? Oh, okay. So you've got this administration, you've got the pipeline, you've got the border crisis where over a quarter of a million people per month illegal aliens, I don't care what you want to call them. Oh, they're little five-year-old child. I don't care what you want to call them. A quarter of a million of illegal aliens are coming across our border every month. Biden's own Border guy, forget his name now. Uh, in the in the title, of course, because I'm on a rant here, so I'm going to forget his title. But the guy in charge of the border, <laughs> oh, I'm going to go blank. Salazar, I think, is the guy's last name. On a hot mic, just recently in Mexico, said, "Yeah, we can't hold the border. We're losing it." Like like you know, publicly, oh, we're doing the best we can. We're doing a good job. We're making it better, better, better. Meanwhile, he's admitting to people, yeah, the border, we're losing the border. Think about that. That that sounds like war language. We're losing the border. Like you've got your troops and the other side is overwhelming your border. You can't hold it anymore. You're in retreat. How do you lose a border when when not a shot is being fired? Now I'm not saying that we need to be shooting at these people, but like the Biden administration has to take responsibility. This was not happening under Trump. Yes, people were showing up. But the moment that Biden won, he started talking about this. We're going to open up. Everybody's welcome. And what happened? We had a surge of people all wearing Biden T-shirts and uh, drinking provided for uh, bottled water coming across the border. And they've not fixed it. He's, he put Kamala Harris in charge. She's yet to go down to the border. She, you know, she cackles. They put her on camera. What's your what are you going to she cackles? Ha ha, ha. It's, it, You know, like this is just clown world people. You've got the pipeline. You've got the border crossing issue, the border crisis, a quarter of a million people a month, a month. That's millions a year. On top of that, you've got the whole covid situation. Joe Biden made a lot of hay against Donald Trump and Trump created the opportunity for Biden to do this. This is on Trump. Lots of promises from Biden about covid. And yet you're sending your kids back to school. They're wearing masks. And, and, and what they're trying to do now is blame it. Oh, it's the unvaccinated. Oh, it's this, it's, oh, it's that. The fact of the matter is this vaccine has been rushed through the process. And we are finding out after the fact that it's not as effective as we thought. People are now being told they're going to have to have boosters. They're probably going to have to have regular updates. Oh, no, it's not going to cover the variants. Meanwhile, anybody that got infected naturally got through COVID. Uh, the natural antibodies actually protect you really well. So this whole lockdown, et cetera, we're going to just drag this thing out. We're going to flatten the curve. We're going to now get everybody's v- ass vaccinated. This is turning out to be a catastrophe. You got people dying. You got blood clots. They're finding, they're finding the spike proteins in people's brains and organs because they're doing autopsies. I mean, some people are collapsing from these things. This is not good. And this just is an anecdotal information that it's out there. You have to dig for it, but it's there. I mean, people, it's really rough. It's really rough. Now, a lot of people are taking the vaccine. They're fine at this stage. Doesn't mean that, you know, everybody that takes it is in trouble. It, It could be one of these things. How many times have you watched television and you're like... If you took something for methyloma, phallicemia, you know, 20 years ago, get in touch. We, uh, you might qualify for this class action lawsuit. Something tells me this is going to be one of those deals. Something tells me this is going to be one of those 10, 20 years later. If you were part of this cohort that took the original Pfizer vaccine or fill in the blanks, get in touch because you might be entitled to a settlement. I don't want you to live in fear. If you took the vax, I'm not saying live in fear, but my point is like Biden made such hay around COVID and the vaccine. This has not gone well. And where it's gone to, as opposed to saying I'm uniting the country to cover their rear ends, what they're doing is they're, they're pointing at people not taking the vax, saying you're the ones killing us all. Meanwhile, the vaccine is causing the problem. It's causing the problem. It's creating a dependency on the spike protein. It's creating a dependency on the vax. Whereas if you just went out, got COVID, st- struggled through it, and came out the other side, you would have a lot more immunity. You'd be essentially bulletproof. If you got COVID again, it's not going to be that bad. And yet people now that are getting the vax are actually dependent now on this on this. Thing you're going to have to keep getting your boosters. They're going to have to keep modifying. I mean, you're stuck. It's almost like you're now. You now you can't get off. It's like people that take antidepressive medicine. You can't just one day quit. You're dependent on it. And if you do quit, you it's like really dangerous to quit. You know, you have issues with depression, etc. Maybe you're on something like Prozac to level even you out. If you want to get off that medicine, you have to really slowly, slowly, slowly ramp off that medicine. You, you, it's dangerous. So we've got the whole COVID thing, the vaccine thing. And through the vaccine thing, his administration and the people that are supporting and boosting him, meaning the media and just people out and, you know, Democrats and so on, are turning on their countrymen that are saying, I don't want to take the vax. And they're saying, you're not going to be able to fly. You're not going to be able to uh, travel across state lines. I mean, this 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 is the country that this leader is creating. Biden has not come out aggressively and said, hold up a minute. We've got to respect people's bodily autonomy. We've got to make sure to, to stay in line with the Nuremberg Convention that says you cannot, against somebody's will, give them some type of injection, treatment, testing, fill in all the blanks. You can't do that. It's immoral. It's evil. It's just plain evil. We all knew that. That's why they made the Nuremberg Code. Then you've got the continual handouts. He's keeping the labor force depressed. Talk to anybody. People can't hire employees. Why? Because people are getting money. They're getting extra money to stay home. And Biden just keeps extending this. Now, I understand we want to help people, but there are all kinds of businesses that are, you know, we're post this emergency, really. People are opening back up. Even in dictatorial states like New York, uh, they're opening back up and they're like, I need to hire staff. I can't get staff. I can't get people. Why is it? Because people don't want to work. And this isn't just at restaurants. This is in manufacturing facilities. This is in clinical situations where they need uh, aides and nurses and so on. They can't hire them because people don't want to work. They're getting extra money. And the federal government said, we're just going to keep giving it to you. At the same time, you are hollowing out a whole segment of your labor force that you need. These are not people doing like immoral, really mean, ugly jobs. This isn't like, you know, there's this guy that we give him a scrub brush, tie a string around it, a rope around his ankle and send him down in the sewers to scrub the sewer walls. These are waiters and waitresses. These are Nurses, these are manufacturing, people running manufacturing equipment or doing assembly work. This is honest, good work. And yet people are not wanting to do it because they're getting extra money. And they're like, you know what? For, I, I might as well stay home and keep getting that check. The same goes for property rights. You've got the CDC under the Biden administration coming out and saying, "You know what? Because of COVID, the CDC by the way, you you know, people don't have constitutional right to their property, meaning landlords have no right to their property, you don't have to pay them, you can just keep living there even though you don't own the building. You can just stay there because why? Because COVID, because science." This is this undermines hundreds and hundreds if not a thousand years of Western civilization's understanding of property rights. And Biden comes out and says, you know, the Supreme Court doesn't agree with this. They say you can't, like the CDC can't do this. And they're probably right, but we're going to do it anyway. I mean, think about that. If Trump said something to the effect of, you know, the Supreme Court said that this is not necessarily legal, but we're going to do it anyway. My goodness. I mean, that would play into the fantasy that Trump is this dictator and waiting. He's just waiting to take over. you know, the news, uh, the truth dies in the dark, (laughs) you know, Washington Post, we're going to keep you guys aware of everything. So flagrant disregard for the Supreme Court, flagrant disregard for property rights. Uh, The Biden Department of Justice canceled all investigations into states where there were executive mandates that Elderly people had to be put into nursing homes, even if they had COVID Exposing So meanwhile, all of us have to sit home because my God, heaven forbid you touch a dirty doorknob because we've got to get this thing under control. But for the elderly, who actually are the most vulnerable and the most likely to die from this thing? Everybody else not likely to die. You're just not likely to die. And yet the very population, the one segment, the one segment that we should be protecting, guys like Cuomo, guys like Governor Wolf in Pennsylvania, uh, et cetera, they say, no, get your ass in there. You got COVID, get them in that nursing home, get them in there. And then, you know, in New York, we, you know, fifteen, twenty thousand 20,000 elderly people dead, dead. And a lot of that is due to this policy. There's a reason that New York had an extremely high death rate, especially amongst our senior living population and our in our long term care population. Well, it was part of it. I mean, a, a significant reason was the governor's policy. D- uh, Biden Department of Justice. We're going to drop all that. Don't even look into it. And then you know, I hate to even bring it up, but you, you've got you've got Hunter Biden. And if you're not paying attention, uh, you should be. This kid, and, and you know, I, I hate to be one of these guys. It's like it's the parents' fault. It's the parents' fault. Hunter Biden is a train wreck. This is a broken, disgusting, sad human being. And and, and at the same time, uh, and I'm not even going to go into the depravity of what's going on with this guy, but, you know, just thing after thing. I mean, there was just a leak last week of him talking, you know, that him with a prostitute talking about how a second laptop got taken. And of course she asked him, well, what was on the laptop? He's like, oh, you know, it was all these videos, all this kind, I was recording all kinds of crazy sex stuff I was doing. It's like, At what point, and this goes back to my question, at what point do we look with a scrutiny, with the scrutiny that we looked at Donald Trump? At what point do we hold Joe Biden accountable? I don't want to be chief judge, jury, and executioner. I mean, you know, as an individual, as a citizen, we all do that. Oh, I hate that guy. I wish he'd get voted out of office. He should be put in jail. You know. We all feel and think that way. That's a human way to feel about people that you that are leading, that you don't like, that you don't respect, that you feel are hostile to your way of life, that you feel are a threat to your values. I'm asking the question, take the heat out of it, take the frustration out of it. I'm just asking the question, at what point do we as a people, just as good human beings, as intellectually honest people, at what point do we say enough is enough? At what point is Joe Biden made to be accountable? And I, and I think the second kind of follow-up question that you have to attach to this is, where is the fifth estate? You know, we always hear about the news. In America, we grow up, if you're not an American, but if you're an, America, an American, we grow up in school being taught like the importance of the freedom of the press and their job is to tell the truth and their job is to educate the public. public. Their job is to speak truth to power and keep our government officials, you know, from being able to do bad things, they bring everything to light, they do investigative journalism. When you look at all the stuff that Joe Biden has failed on, and I'm, I'm sorry, like, if you're having a problem with me saying these things, then just take a moment and ask yourself, what's one thing that Joe's done great? What, what's one thing that he's done really well that outweighs or offsets things like what's going on in Kabul right now? You know, if you think about Afghanistan for just half a minute, if you just stop playing partisan politics and think about the situation in Afghanistan, we have had, whether whether we should have been there in the first place or not, we were there and we've been there for a long time and we've built up partnerships. We've had other countries come alongside of us. We've had partisan people in Afghanistan that have taken our side, Afghanis that have said, I stand with America, I don't want the Taliban, I'm going to work with the Americans. These aren't evil people. These aren't imperial people trying to take over. Yeah, there's some of those folks. Those are usually the guys that get into power and government. There are good military people. There are good business people. There are good just families saying, I will be an interpreter. There are people that have given and risked their lives to support our efforts in Afghanistan to keep the Taliban out and stabilize the region. Now we've done a a crappy job of it. But think about what Biden's just done. I'm not angry that he wants to pull out. We could have drawn down over time. We could have done it in a smart way. This is like Obama, the same thing you announced to the world. Hey, by the way, just so you know, we're going to be pulling all our troops out. And it's like, oh, thanks for letting me know. Why would you do that? Why would you let ISIS know, Mr. Obama? And why, Mr. Biden, are you so anxious to get the hell out of Afghanistan so quickly and create what? A vacuum. We haven't heard anything about the Taliban for years until who took over? The Democrats. And so what I want to know is like, at what point is he going to be held accountable for letting our partners down, for creating a vacuum and for creating an expectation across the world that you cannot trust and count on United States of America. Now, here's the thing. We could all agree or disagree, or we can have an argument whether we should have been there or not. I have no problem saying we need to get out of Afghanistan. I have no problem saying we should have never been there in the first place. I'm not claiming to have a strong position on that. But my goodness, if we're going to get out, could we do it in a way that doesn't screw everybody over? I'm gonna tell you this, this is personal experience. Back in New York, we sold our property, we're now in South Carolina, but back in New York, I had a neighbor, we had a five acre property, we had a bunch of houses that surrounded it. In one of the homes, there was a family, a young man in his late 20s, an Afghanistani guy. He served our military as a young guy, by what? By being an interpreter. And then eventually joined our military, became an American and then fought on the American side in our military. And, and, and was highly decorated this kid i mean this is a good kid I'm not gonna, i 'm not going to i can 't talk about like his father et etc i 'm just going to tell you that this kid comes from a good family. And this kid was a, I know this kid. He was a neighbor. He was my neighbor, hardworking kid, sincere kid. He was able to get his mother out. So he bought this house in America. He was still working on his degree. He was running a business. Uh, This kid is a hardworking kid. This is like the classic American dream. He stood up for what he believed to be principally and ideally right and true. Ethically and morally, he took a side. He risked his life. His whole family lived that way. And now he was able to gain American citizenship. He's working very hard. He's making better of himself. His mother's now come over and they've been trying to get his dad and some of his brothers out of the country. And they haven't been able to do it. And now Biden comes in and just at the seemingly kind of, I don't know what informed this decision. The word is that even his own advisors were saying, Mr. Biden, this is not going to go well. And he got up into this press release and told us all we're all ridiculous. It's going to be fine. We're overreacting. The tailband's not going to be a problem. They're not going to be an issue. So he then yanks the carpet out from under everybody. And I've been texting this guy, and you know he's pretty stoic. I mean, this is this is a this kid's been through more than any of us will in our whole life. He's this kid's a hero. He's a hero. He did what was right regardless of the consequences. But the truth of the matter is his father is now stuck in Kabul and they don't know if he's going to be able to get out. And what do you think happens to family members that support Americans? What do you think happens to people, groups of people, tribes, family members, communities that supported the Americans when the Taliban takes over? What do you think? And this administration couldn't, couldn't spend Half a brain cell to try to figure out a more mature, more strategic, more intelligent way to get out that helps our allies, that, that doesn't penalize everybody that ever, you know, spilled a little bit of blood for us, put up time and treasure, put things on the line for us so that we can watch our Netflix, so that we can eat our damn donuts. I'm sorry, I'm just infuriated by this now here I am at the beginning of this podcast saying, no, don't react. <laughs> don't, I just want you to think for a moment, you know, don't listen, don't get all upset. Just hear me out and then make a decision. And then I'm just, just, I'm driving a truck through, aren't I? Guys, I'm so sorry. I, I can't help. And, and, and the inf, I'm infuriated that this man is not being held accountable, that this that this party is not being held accountable, that this administration is not being held accountable. Donald Trump was held accountable for everything that he never even did. His children were accused of all kinds of stuff. And you can, you can have your feelings on, no- on January 6th. You can have your feelings on Russia and all that kind of stuff. I get it. Like I'm not here to tell you that you know, poor St. Donald, the martyr of the century, he was a schmuck in a lot of ways. I get it. I loved a lot of stuff that he did. Sometimes he'd make me laugh pretty hard. Sometimes I'd just roll my eyes and go, why do you have to do these things, Mr. Trump? Why? It's not help. You're not helping. And quite frankly, I don't want him to run again. I mean, I know there's a lot of people who love him. They want him to run again. I think he did some good things for the country. I think the conservatives and the Republicans and the and even the populists. Yeah, you gotta you gotta take some uh, learning from Mr. Trump and and forge a new path. I think there there needs to be a new uh, a new path for for folks that are right leaning that are conservative and so on. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not looking for this guy to run again. I'm not in love with Donald Trump, but I look at Joe Biden and it's like everything that Trump like they just accused him of everything, whether he did it or not. And Joe Biden is actually doing things, and no one seems to care. And I don't understand it. And so that's my question to you today. I appreciate you guys listening. I mean, part of it is just, it's the only way to stay sane is to talk about this stuff. You know, and we're in this culture in this environment where it's all about owning the other side. Oh, we got to own the libs, you know, Tucker Carlson, you know, and, and, uh, I got in trouble for mentioning Tucker Carlson and, uh, in a YouTube video, I did an update a week or two ago saying, hey, you know, here's what I'm trying to build with my content. I don't, you know, I think Tucker does a great job. I think Ben Shapiro does a great job, but I'm not trying to be like them. And then somebody gave me grief back saying Tucker's like the worst thing in the world. He's actually what's killing this country. And, and you know, whatever. I, I don't agree necessarily. But I understand why people feel that way. But I, I know I'm ranting. I know I'm raving here. I know I'm ranting and raving. And I and I I don't want to be guilty of just getting your blood boiling. I don't want to be guilty of just like giving people a dopamine hit by throwing some right wing red meat out there to get you wound up. I gotta ask the question, at what point do we say enough is enough? And and I'm and I'm wondering like who are these people that think that Biden is doing a great job? And my my suspicion is that there are totally people out there that are just so partisan. They're so partisan. They don't really care. They just want to win. Like, and this, this is probably on both sides, but I've known people on the other side, Democrats are just, this is a blood sport for them. They want the power. They really don't care about the policies. They want control. And I get that. But like it's boiled down to that. There's no transcendent, there's no God, there's no virtue, there's no ethical, anything. It's really about raw power. And this is kind of where Marxism leads you. I mean, this is it's just about power. When you get rid of all the institutions, when you get rid of everything that is a, that, that mediates between man and God, that mediates between man and man and, and so on, you, and you strip it down, all that's left is power in a material, naturalistic, positivistic world. All that's left is power. There's no such thing as true good or evil. It's just who's got the power. This is why you hear so much nonsense with the critical race theory. It's like the whites have had the power. Now the blacks got to have the power. And that's just because all they can think about is power. And that's dangerous. It leads to human suffering. It leads to widespread bloodshed and death and misery. It's evil. So I know there are a lot of people out there that just politically, all they can think about is the power. But I also know there are a lot of other people that have good values and they could be on either side. They can be Democrats or Republicans. They have good values. They love their spouse. They love their kids. They love their community. They love their city. They love their state. They love their country. They love their church or their synagogue or their mosque. They, they, or, or they love the fact that they don't have to attend any of those. They love bowling. They love their sports team. They're just people that want to live their life. And I think, I think the concern is that because of these people that want power are so vociferous and they really dictate the, the dialogue in our society, the, the news media, the CNNs and MSNBCs and Fox News of the world... They kind of set the tone, and I think what's going on here, to a degree, is there are a lot of just decent people, Republicans and Democrats, that if they were able to just step back, they're afraid that if they agree that Joe Biden's doing a good job, they've somehow implicitly embraced Donald Trump. They've embraced Nazism. They've embraced Putin and, and the and the Soviet Russian oligarchic, you know, czarist, imperial takeover of the universe. Like they're so, they've been so energized and wound up and polarized around these, this kind of straw man situation. Donald Trump's not even in office. They still talk about him. Here you got Mario Cuomo, Mario Cuomo's son. You got Andrew Cuomo, who I've been saying for a long time now is a thug. And finally they came in. Oh yeah, he's a thug. We got to get rid of him. Oh, now we get, but let's just get this over with and move on. I think that, I think that the average person just doesn't want to be guilty of aligning with the wrong side or, or, or embracing Nazism because they're like, well, yeah, I don't like Nazis. I, I don't like evil people. I don't like racists. I don't want to be mean to anybody. I just want my kids to get educated. I want them to grow up and get a good job. I want them to marry and be happy. Like we want to take a vacation next year. I'm, I'm hoping. And and these people, they're generous. They donate their time. They donate their money. They're trying to help the poor. They're they're trying to educate uh, children in other countries. I mean, there's all this stuff that these people are happy to do. They just want to be good neighbors. But I think they're afraid like, well, if I criticize Joe Biden and everything's going on, then that makes me a Trump supporter. And I think we've got to get to a place as a people that we just say, I'm calling bullshit on bullshit. I'm just calling it. And folks, I'm telling you, Joe Biden is doing a terrible job. He just is. And I think all of us, if we're intellectually honest, you don't need to be a right winger. You don't need to even want to destroy him. We have to hold these people accountable. Stop thinking about your party or their party. Hold these people accountable because they're going to kill us. They're going to get us all killed. The society that we have enjoyed for generations and generations and generations in this country, it's falling apart. Now, I'm not blaming that all on Joe Biden, but my goodness, it's kind of hard to look at how he's behaving the things that he's doing and think that in any way he's fixing it or making it better. Folks, if this is build back better, my gosh, I'd rather live in the rubble, the supposed rubble of the past. If this is building back better, I I want my money back. Like this is not better. This is not better. Now, I don't know where you fall in the political spectrum. I don't even care. I'm glad you're a listener. I'm glad you're here. I would love to know what you think, though. Get in touch with me. I mentioned at the beginning of the show you can do that. Just go to my website, MikeGaston.com. There's a contact form right on the homepage. Just scroll down. You'll see it. It says something like let's talk or get in touch or something like that. I don't know. Uh, Fill it out. I'll answer your email unless you're a real jerk. If you're a jerk about it, I'll answer anyway, but, but I'll cut you off. But I love to know what you think. You don't have to agree with me. I don't don't need people to stroke my ego. I just want to have intellectually honest conversations. And I'm interested in what's right and good. I want people to be able to thrive. I want people to be able to live in the truth. And I'm just concerned that if we don't speak up, if we're not honest about what's going on around us, we will lose the right and the freedom to do just that. And when the truth is gone all you folks that want your children to have a good upbringing, all all you folks that just want to be able to work a good job, take vacations, that goes away. That goes away. Guys, I love you all. Now, I know I'm not leaving you on an up note, but I want you to have courage. I do know that enough people coming together, living the truth without fear of the repercussions can change the world. It's been proven over and over and over again. And I don't think it's too late. I think we can pull this thing back from the brink. So look at the world around you, try to be intellectually honest, live the truth, and remember that Uncle Mike loves you, and I'll catch you in the next episode.